It's a new month, so that means our favorite monthly subscription box will be on our porches very soon. The Chicken Keeping Box, Honey and Roo. Honey and Roo's monthly subscription box includes products that may not be available to you at your local feed store. The box has a variety of items ranging from things to add to your first aid kit, treats for your hens and roos, and there's always something for the chicken keeper. So go to honeyandroo.com and use code DRINKANDFARM at checkout to get 15% off your first subscription box. Hey, Sam. Hey, Bev. What you drinking over there? I'm being a total cheater, and I'm drinking a redo. Uh-oh. But I think it's okay, because it's a Hus Brewing Coffee Kolsch. Ooh! Yeah. Where'd you find one of those? I don't know. It was in the back of my beer fridge, so I must have hid some from myself. <laughs> and I'm finally making my way through like the 180 that's in there. <laughs> no, Holy that's cow. a total exaggeration. It's not that many, but <laughs> there's a lot. But it's beautiful. <laughs> it's uh, just barely after 12. We were originally going to start before 12. So I was like, well, it's got to be a coffee <laughs> beer if we're going to drink before noon. But now that it's afternoon, it could have been anything, but I'm still going to drink the coffee beer. Uh, what are you drinking over there? So I'm drinking a Boulevard Brewing Company Jam Band, mm. which is a berry ale with blueberry, red raspberry, and cherry. And they are located in Kansas City, Missouri. I'm very excited. It's a pretty purple color. Yeah, and I was kind of like, you know, I'm getting over like some weird stomach bug or something. So I was like, I should drink something that tastes like juice because maybe that'll just be better for me. I don't mm-hmm. know. Logic. But I'm like grabbing a beer out of the fridge around 11.30 and my husband goes, I feel like we need to start talking about some of your hobbies. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I'm trying to get famous. Get out of my way. (laughs) (laughs) Podcast fame. This is the price you pay. Drinking. Well, now it's afternoon. So I'll let them know that, you know, we waited. (laughs) We did. We were very, very responsible. But this one is very refreshing and delicious. So I highly recommend it. Yeah, I've had that one a couple of times, and it's a good one. Mm-hmm. Good choice. Good choice. Thanks. Juice. Health. Juice. Good for you. Yes. <laughs> good hobbies. Good hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. Woo! That's Bev over there. And that's Sam over there. And this is the farm comedy podcast that is an adult happy hour for your ears. We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life. We want to create a community for farmers, whether you have a hobby-sized farm or a huge farm, to come listen and feel like you're not so alone in this farm thing. We keep it real with you and find humor in the mistakes we make, new knowledge we gain, and sometimes we go off on tangents that are non-farming related. And speaking of those tangents, we cut a lot of those and stick them up on Patreon. These weeks will be pretty awesome because it took us quite some time to get through a commercial and there were some good laughs, laughs along the way. So if you're a Patreon supporter, you're able to hear those over at patreon.com slash drink and farm. 
Yeah. And uh, speaking of the Patreon, our drinks this episode were sponsored by uh, It's Just the Hot Mess, which is my friend Jessica Hawkins. So cheers, lady. Cheers to Bev's oldest friend, not in age, but in terms of friendship. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I do have some follow up this week. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Someone had asked me how the fish in the tank are doing. So I thought we should go ahead and just briefly discuss that again. Um, And I'm glad I waited. She had asked me several weeks ago and it wasn't going so great. I was like, well, I don't know whether or not I need to tell everybody to like scrap this. This doesn't really work or I just need to give it more time Um, because the water was super gross still up until just a couple days ago. Um, But now half of the fish have died, which I was fully expecting. So I think we're down to like the right level of fish to fish to water ratio. Yeah. And uh, the water was looking like really murky and had like all sorts of stuff floating in it. But I just checked on it right before we started recording and it's totally and completely crystal clear. It looks like magic. That's amazing. Yeah. So it it must work. It must just be one of those things that like takes a couple weeks to get like, I don't know, the mojo right. Yeah. That makes sense. Or maybe there was just some natural adjustments that needed to be made. Yeah. I guess could also be known as mojo. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Redefining mojo. (laughs) Uh, But there is something that we're still having an issue with in the water. There's like large piles of iron sediment built up at the bottom. Mm. Mm -hmm. And now it's all settled. So it's pretty clear. I can see that that's what the issue is. We have a really high iron in our well water and we don't have a filter on the outside water hydrants. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's what those are called. You know, those big outdoor frost-free things. Yes, spigots. Uh, so I'm thinking about installing a rain barrel out there so that I can start filling the trough with the rain barrel water oh. instead of those water. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fun idea. Because I have heard that excess iron isn't great for goats. It right. interferes with their copper absorption. Mm-hmm. So having the rain barrel out there will serve two purposes. The water trough can be even cleaner and have less iron in it and the goats can be doing a little better because they won't have iron in their water so huzzah i don't know when i'll get (laughs) to that so (laughs) but that sounds like a great topic for an episode so we've talked about doing it here too for various reasons so maybe we should like just coordinate that and then share stories and just say it's for the podcast there we go that's (laughs) a great idea Yeah, so welcome to farming, where you solve one problem and find a new one and have to solve that one. (laughs) Cheers to that. (laughs) Moving right into this week's episode, we got, it sounds like we got a little nod to throw back to an earlier episode, which is crazy how far back this one is. I know, right? I was thinking about that today while I was typing these notes up. I was like, man, that was episode 25 that we talked about that. Yeah, it was epic. That whole series was epic. And it just makes me want to find another documentary series for us to dig through. (laughs) Yeah, me too. I was thinking about that as well. So back in episode 25, we had discussed the rotten episode that was all about garlic. And that episode was what inspired me to plant my own bed of garlic. And so I did that uh, this last fall. 
And fast forward to now, which is mid, no, I guess it's late May 2019. I don't even know what the date is. It's going to be June when this drops. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wait. Where's the year going? Okay. I, I lied. It'll be May 31st when this drops, but June is okay. the next day. So close enough. <laughs> okay. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> so we did plant uh, the bed of garlic and it survived the winter despite me like not following the directions or anything, <laughs> uh, which is pretty amazing. And uh, so our garlic is growing, it's covered in all of these leaves, and now there's scapes growing out of the middle of it. So we thought we should discuss what garlic scapes are because this is going to make me sound uh, relatively unintelligent, but that's okay. I'm willing to do that for the podcast. (laughs) So when the garlic first started sending out the green sprouts, I kept calling those garlic scapes because I thought that that's what they were. But it turns out that those are just the leaves of the garlic, and the garlic scapes are something totally different. Well, I thought you were saying garlic scraps in your text for something, even though you're clearly spelling it in a way that does not sound like scraps if you sound it out. So So for being honest about how silly we are, there you go. People have been like walking by my garlic patch and they're like, wow, that's a great patch of garlic. I'm like, I know we're going to have so many scapes out of this thing. It's going to be delicious. My husband's like, when can we start harvesting those scapes? And I'm like, I don't know. They don't look like the pictures I've seen of garlic scapes. So maybe I don't understand what garlic scapes are. And now that one has finally grown on one of them, I'm like, oh, I get it. (laughs) So um, out of the, the, the garlic is planted, you know, like under the ground obviously because that's where it grows and there's a stalk coming out the middle of it and that's the neck of the garlic and the leaves are shooting off the sides of the neck and the scape comes out the middle of the neck and sort of like goes straight up and then starts to curl into like a curly cue with a sharp little point at the end and that's what the scape is so all of the I'm making hand motions uh, (laughs) (laughs) describing what the leaves look like. But, you know, they kind of shoot up and then drape like leaves do. Scapes don't do that because they're they're hard. They're kind of like the consistency of a green onion. Okay. If that gives you like a more tactile way to think of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, garlic scapes only grow from the middle of hard neck garlic. There's two different types of garlic. There's a soft neck variety and a hard neck variety. And soft neck varieties are better for more temperate climates, like uh, warmer climates. I'm thinking like the South or California areas like that. Um, And hard neck varieties are good for areas that get below freezing consistently in the wintertime, which is, you know, like where we live. So I'm in zone 6B to give people an idea of what that means. So I can only grow hard neck variety, which makes me kind of sad because when I was talking about growing garlic, I think I had mentioned that I wanted to braid all my garlic together and like hang it on the wall in the kitchen. It's Mm -hmm. it's like so homesteady. You can't do that with hard neck garlic. That's only soft neck garlic. (sighs) Yeah, right? (laughs) (laughs) The things we learn. Yes. So uh, garlic scapes are only available for a short window, and it's usually like late spring and early summer. I'm not going to give dates because it totally depends on your zone. Um, It is the end of May 
now. <laughs> and my first one just barely came up in Southern Ohio. So that can give people an idea of when to look for them. Because in my Instagram feed, people have been harvesting scapes like for what feels like months now. But I think they just must be further south than yeah. I am. Yeah. Because I was starting to think there was something wrong with my garlic and I wasn't going to get any escapes and I was going to be super bummed. <laughs> I'm like, I dedicated this bad to this garlic and I don't know if it's going to do anything. <laughs> so one of the reasons why you'll want to cut off the garlic scape is that when you remove them, it gives the plant the energy to put more resources towards the bulb rather than the scape because what's going to grow out of the end of the scape eventually is a flower. So you don't want the garlic concentrating on that. You want it concentrating on making big bulbs. That's what we like, Mm, big bulbs. like (laughs) big bulbs and we cannot lie. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, you can use garlic scapes just like you would green onions. Uh, They have like a mild garlicky flavor. So they can be sauteed into your dishes or used to like, you know, dress up some stuff um but i'm planning on using mine for garlic scape pesto because i love pesto that sounds delicious yeah it does i i think i only have like two or three out there so i don't quite have enough to make anything yet i've read on the internet that they will last for about three weeks in the fridge so you can harvest them wait until you get enough keep them wrapped up and then you know like your crisper joy in the fridge and then you can use them in whatever dish you want when you're ready so Ta-da. Yeah, that's what a garlic scape is. Any mm-hmm. questions, class? <laughs> Not scrap. Scape. <laughs> garlic scraps. <laughs> I was like, scraps? What is she talking about? Oh, I think I got too much sun yesterday. <laughs> and the other thing we're going to talk about this week is about rooster spurs. Ooh. Yeah, I was wondering if you were going to cheer. I was waiting for that reaction. Um, you know, I feel like they're, they have a purpose, but they're kind of scary, especially when they're huge. Like Sir Lancelot spurs are no joke. They're like probably two inches long. Yeah, that sounds pretty terrifying. Yes, and he's a little jerk and has been, well, he doesn't. I keep an eye on him and he knows and I yell at him and say, hey, knock it off or back off. My husband just kind of ignores him and he's the one that gets kicked. So, (laughs) (laughs) and that's why I wear pants outside when it's like 90 degrees. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, honestly, I I wear pants outside now when I'm going to be near uh, the chicken area because, yeah, Stephen Rue has been quite the dick lately. Uh, mm. even though he did not appear to have spurs. But this morning, I just saw that he is finally getting some little nubs. So I was like, I need to look into this because I had thought that he had just been born without him. Which I didn't know that that was even a thing. But I guess it makes sense, you know, if there's some kind of genetic thing where it's like a hiccup or it's within their bloodline to throw that. Kind of like, I know it's different. But kind of like there can be pulled goats that just are born without horns. Yeah. I mean, I would think so. I it Like genetics are so weird. I don't really know like what causes certain things to happen. So mm-hmm. when I was looking at his legs when, you know, springtime started and he started becoming sexually mature, I was like, oh, this is when we'll see the, the uh, spurs. They'll just and go they, boing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
amazing if that's how you could tell that they were like raring to go. Just like. <laughs> I mean, Mother Nature has a sense of humor, so that would totally not surprise me. Yes, yes. But alas, no. No, that is not how it works. <laughs> they are growers, not showers. <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, I'll stop. <laughs> Sometimes we're just too funny for ourselves. <laughs> I know. Oh, gosh, this is this. And this is why we do all the hard work of podcasting. <laughs> I know, right? So uh, Stephen Rune Morris had been, you know, like running around the chicken yard and he didn't appear to have any spurs. And I'm like, he's like 10 months old now. So this feels like this is a little weird. He should totally have grown spurs by now if he was going to. So just assumed he wasn't going to. This morning, I noticed that he's starting to get some little nubbies where the spurs belong. So I was like, oh, like I should look into this. Maybe he's just like a late bloomer. And he totally is because normally a rooster will start to develop their spurs around three months of age or like seven or eight months. Yeah, it just kind of depends. Like some are early bloomers. And seven to eight is like average. He's 10. So, mm-hmm. okay. He's a little late. Many people think that spurs are only present on roosters, but that is not always the case. Hens dun, dun, can have dun. spurs too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did not know that. And I don't believe any of my hens have spurs. And we have like 70 chickens, over 70. So, we have not run into that yet. <laughs> which is kind of good i mean who needs more chickens with spurs right Ugh, i do not <laughs> <laughs> well this article that i pulled and i'll link to it in the show notes it's from uh i am countryside's backyard poultry website uh according to this some breeds of hens like the mediterranean breeds like leghorns minorcas silicon buttercups sicilian sicilian oh silicon (laughs) (laughs) plastic chickens no uh ancona and polish those are more likely to develop spurs according to this website so it must be a genetic thing i'm gonna go check all my polish chickens after the podcast (laughs) (laughs) you're like please do not start growing (sighs) spurs yes Um, And they also said that as they age, they can develop spurs. And I'm guessing that that's because they get more crotchety with age. So (sighs) that would make sense. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And maybe they want to fight off the roosters. They've had enough. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, because rooster spurs, we've all seen it. They can do a lot of damage to like your hen's back feathers and sides and stuff. They Mm kind of use them to like hold on, which is quite rude if you ask me. But yeah, you know propagation of the species and all that Mm -hmm. so rooster spurs are actually part of the leg bone and they're covered with like a keratin sheath which is like the material that's found in a chicken's beak and it's even found in rhino horns right fancy i mean i don't know why people aren't clipping uh spurs to use for piano keys but (laughs) i mean maybe they should right (laughs) i'm sure some people would disagree with that statement (laughs) i mean spurs are a little rude yes and uh they start um as like a little bud on the leg which is located just above the back claw and as they grow they harden and they can curl uh as the rooster matures Mm mm-hmm and they can become like quite sharp like yeah quite sharp <laughs> yes they can um 
Brewster Boost's spurs were like dainty and pointy, whereas like um, Lance's are like thicker and more of like a blunt end. They're not sharp. So it just kind of depends, I think, on the breed and what they're doing with them. But I've seen it before where they can even get so long that they're like dragging across the ground. Oh, yeah. And in fact, that's one of the things that we'll talk about is maintaining spurs. Um, because like most roosters don't require any spur maintenance, but some do mm-hmm. um, because they can grow to be too long. And some people will choose to actually like remove the spur just, you know, because like they don't want their kids hurt or they're tired of getting flogged in the legs and whatnot. But it's important to keep in mind that spurs actually do serve a purpose. You know, the reason why you have roosters besides getting fertilized eggs is that they can provide flock protection if you free range your chickens like roosters can be pretty what's what i'm looking for like brave and chivalrous like they'll actually give their lives to save their flock yes Uh, not all roosters will but if you've got a good one he will uh so removing that does like it essentially removes his weapon that he has to protect himself I mean, and as annoying as it is, when he's running out and flogging me, he's only doing it because he thinks that I'm a threat to his chickens. So Right, right. And luckily, you you only have one. (laughs) Right, yeah. I only have one rooster. So there's only one I have to watch out for. But trust me, I keep an eye on him because he does. He'll sneak attack me. Like, I'll be Uh out there minding my own business. And he's quiet. He, like, slowly, like, makes his way over (laughs) to me. And I'll feel like someone's staring at me. And I'll turn around and he'll like, what he does is he like puffs up his chest and kind of gets himself as tall as he can. And he starts flapping his wings really hard. (laughs) And then suddenly it's like he grew springs on the bottom of his feet. Even though he limps, he can get up waist high now. Holy crap. He used to only get to knee high. And I was like, knee high, that's not so bad. But now that he's getting waist high, I'm like, oh, my God, you can, like, totally spur one of the kids in the face. (laughs) Yeah. And you got to watch it when you're bent over and stuff. Like, with with Lance, like, because he'll just watch me. And, like, if I need to – I just squat down now instead of bend over. Mm -hmm. Because at least then I can be eye level with him. And he doesn't try anything then. That's <laughs> but good. if I bend over and I'm not looking at him, he'll get me. <laughs> it's like he knows that I've turned my back to him. So I'm like totally defenseless. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I've warned the kids. I'm like, when the chickens are out free ranging, just don't go anywhere near him. I'm like, yeah. and if you find yourself near him, just leave. That's mm-hmm. like the best advice I can give you. <laughs> yes. He limps so they can outrun him. <laughs> <laughs> the uh the pros to having a limping rooster yes (laughs) i mean he he moves pretty fast for a limping rooster but still compared to some others (laughs) so uh if your rooster's spurs start to look like they need some maintenance this article that i pulled from my am countryside did give some recommendations for keeping the spur growth under control there are recommendations out there for like totally removing it and and doing some other things with it so that it's not a threat to you or your family but like we said earlier you kind of want to really weigh the pros and cons of that because mm-hmm. without it they literally don't have a weapon right one of the ways that you can keep them under control is by clipping them um you can clip them just as you would like your dog's toenails and you just want to avoid hitting the bone when you clip 
And it's important to do it in good light because then you can see the inner bone, which I guess would look kind of like the quick when you're clipping like your dog's toenails. Mm -hmm. uh, if you clip that quick, you'll have a lot of bleeding, but like cornstarch, blood stop powder, all of that stuff would take care of that for you. Mm -hmm. If you do happen to hit it and you want to make sure that you use a sharp tool. Uh, if you do it with something dull, it'll be kind of like pruning your trees with dull pruners. <laughs> Ooh. you know how it like tears that's an yeah. awful <laughs> an yeah. awful example but it's descriptive that's what it is <laughs> yeah I mean it's an animal so you want to make sure that you're doing this like as quickly and as painless as possible mm -hmm. if you have to do some trimming but most roosters are not going to require any maintenance on their spurs so if you find that yours do though that's one recommendation the person who wrote this article their preferred method of rooster spur maintenance is filing because oh. you can file it into like a blunt tip instead of having it be really sharp. So they still have their weapon, but they can't tear up your face and your arms and your legs like they can mm -hmm. when it's totally sharp and curled. Uh, and then another thing that you can do is remove the outer growth. Since it's just like a keratin sheath around the bone, you can just pop it right off. Um, gently twisting the spur kind of releases how it's connected to it. And it, it'll just pop right off. I don't know how else to describe that. <laughs> <laughs> you can soften the spur uh, by rubbing it with oil. Or I've heard of heating the potato. I had never yeah. like actually seen... Uh, a full description of it until doing this research but if you apply a hot potato to the spur it'll kind of soften it but you want to be careful not to touch the potato to your rooster's leg because there will be lots of burns yes ouch it seems like it would burn your hand up too i guess you're wearing gloves but yeah i would hope so i haven't tried that one either i just leave ours alone um at least for now like that might change obviously but I mean, some of the roosters I can't even catch. So. Yeah. So, like, you can't imagine doing spur maintenance on them. Oh, no. They'd, they'd hate me so much. Yeah, my plan is just to leave them alone. But, like, I only have one rooster around here. So we have one jerk rooster that we have to watch out for. That's not the end of the world. I keep mm -hmm. the chickens locked up when, like, the Girl Scouts here are here and things like that. Because the last thing I want is him attacking somebody else's kid. Right. <laughs> like, my own is one thing. but Right, exactly. There's some precautions you can take to, uh, you know, keep kids and roosters together safely um but sam and i have both realized that we didn't know a whole lot about spurs and we had roosters so we should look into this a little bit yeah and now if you didn't know you know now too <laughs> you're welcome you're welcome <laughs> and now it's time for we can't even corner yay hooray hooray <laughs> do you want to go first this week Sure, I can go first. Um, so my can't even corner today is kind of more of a question of why has no one ever told me before, well, before Thursday, what baby horse hooves look like when they first come out of their mom? <laughs> <laughs> so I was at a, a friend's going away party for work. She just got another job. And um, we were sending her off properly by going to the bar. And somebody asked me, like, Sam, like, you know what, you know, hooved animals look like when they come out, right? And how weird their feet are. And I was, like, thinking about the goats. And I was like, yeah, they're 
their hooves are soft, you know, and, but it's nothing like super weird. Um, and then all of a sudden somebody's putting a, a, like their phone in my face of these baby horse hooves. And it looks like they have like this little, these little like squids coming off their feet. (laughs) (laughs) So when horses are born, their hooves are covered in a rubbery layer called a deciduous horse capsule. And these capsules cover the sharp edges of the foal's untried hooves, protecting both the foal, foul, foal, it's foal, (laughs) and its mother from injury during birth. Um, So I asked my dad yesterday, too. I was like, why did you never tell me this? And he just kind of looked at me like, what? He knew, like, this was a thing. It's just not, like, something you tell your kid while you're putting them to bed at night. Um, Because my grandpa... Um, had horses, so my dad's been around horses, so he knew. Um, you know, but but why do they have to look so gross? Um, so foals need to be able to run from predators from the moment they come into the world, so naturally they're born with hooves. You've probably seen on the internet, they get up, like, and take their first steps, like, right after they're born. So this protective cas- capsule doesn't last very long, which is maybe why a lot of people don't know about it. Um, and it deliver it develops late into the mother's pregnancy, and this purpose it serves is just so there's no damage to the birth canal during delivery. And um, they quick these capsules quickly wear down, and um, as the baby takes their first steps. So people who work with horses have described these capsules as feeling soft and squishy to the touch. That's so it's easier for the foal to shut it. So Mother Nature has designed the horse and her foal to be able to quickly move along after giving birth. So another reason for this weird design is predators are actually attracted to the smell of the horse's placenta. That means Mm. that once the foal is born, the mother and child have to, you know, hurry up and flee to safety. So that's why it's such like a temporary thing that serves a very quick purpose and then goes away. But it looks pretty gross. So we'll link this article in the show notes so you can see various pictures of this. Or you can just Google like baby horse feet and see it for yourselves. <laughs> and it looks like little aliens to me. Yeah, <laughs> like it's something super weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was my can't even for this week. I had no idea that was a thing. Yeah, I had no idea that was a thing either. And it was funny when you sent me that, I looked at it and I was like, well, why aren't goat goat hooves like covered in something like that? Because I'm sorry, mama goat's uterus is not covered in claw marks because Mm -mm. the goat's hooves aren't covered. So I don't understand why horses need them, but interesting. Yeah, I wonder if it's just because of the size of the animal. So baby goats are so much smaller, and oh, and their right. their hooves are squishier when they come out, and it okay. takes a little bit to harden up. But they, you know, and and baby goats get up and start trying to walk not as quickly as a horse, maybe, but they get the hang of it pretty quick. Um, okay, so I think it's like an evolutionary thing for horses, and. Like I said, they're bigger, so maybe their their hooves can do a little more damage than a baby goat's could. Yeah, that makes sense. And they might be made out of a totally different material. Like, I realize I don't know anything about hooves. I'm pretty like, sure. I know they have to be, like, clipped and stuff like fingernails, but. Yeah. I think they're very similar. And a point my dad made was, like, well, if you spent, like, nine months in the womb, you'd be squishy, too. Hmm. 
So I don't know. I mean, you've given birth twice. Do <laughs> humans come out with squishy fingernails? <laughs> uh, so normally they need to be clipped pretty soon after birth, or at least both of mine did. Um, okay. And they were a little softer. Yeah, like think about baby's fingernails. They're pretty soft. I mean, they were swimming around for a while. Fair enough. You know, so maybe hmm. it's kind of the same thing. <laughs> well, we're learning all sorts of stuff this episode. <laughs> or we might be speculating a bunch of stuff and we'll have like a whole list of corrections next week. <laughs> right. <laughs> but what is your can't even this week? Okay. So this woman started an Instagram account where she takes what she calls self D's or self dies. I don't know how else. I'm not really exactly sure like how she pronounces it. But basically what she does is she hates selfies so much that she has somebody take a picture of her like looking like she's died next to all of these iconic landmarks and things oh that people God. typically take selfies around. <laughs> and it's kind of funny. But at the same time, like I read it and I was like, yeah, 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 I get it. Like, it's really easy to make fun of people for taking selfies. Yeah. Because it's seen as something as being intrinsically full of yourself. Yes. Or just um, narcissistic. Narcissistic. It's like a way of saying, fancy way of saying full of yourself, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's seen as intrinsically uh, narcissistic. But I think about like what we do around here on our farms and stuff like that. And I'm like, no, you know what? Like if I didn't take selfies, there would be zero pictures of me doing anything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I agree. And I think too, part of it for me and like the whole chicken selfie Sunday thing is like seeing the person behind the farm and having confidence in what you look like, even if you're like, like my face right now. I is half sunburned because I wore a headband yesterday and sat in the sun all day. So I have this lovely little line and I'm wearing no makeup. And it's like, I would take a selfie or go on my Instagram stories right now. You know, and that's part of like just being yourself and embracing the kind of work you do out in the country. Yeah. <laughs> so for us, but you know, it's not like we're, you know, getting the right angle and saying that's hot, you know, and taking selfies that way. Not that there's necessarily anything wrong with that either. If that's what you like to do. That's what you like to do. Well, and something else I wanted to point out. And the reason why, like, I made it my can't even is uh, we had some people once make fun of us because we have a selfie stick. We use it when we go on vacation because mm. if we didn't have a selfie stick, we would have zero pictures of our whole family when we mm-hmm. went to go do things. Right. So I wanted to talk about it and reframe selfie taking not as this narcissistic act, but as a way to preserve your actual memories of the things that you're doing. Right. And the places that you're seeing. And I, I, you know, kind of piggybacking off of that, I think there's a lot being said negatively about the age of social media and, you know, people climbing to the top of a mountain just for a selfie you know, that's the only reason why it's like, are you sure that's the only reason why? And if it is like made that person happy in that moment, like, why do you care so much? I think just like as people, it's our immediate nature to judge the things that other people are doing. Mm. 
which is one of the reasons for this podcast. You know, like we got tired of seeing so much judgment and the way that people did stuff. We're like, hey, let's just talk about the shit we do. And then mm-hmm. people can feel <laughs> like they can give things a try. You know, y- people are still going to say what they want to about it on the Internet. But then, you oh, know, yeah. that you have a group of people that are going to encourage that experimentation, even if it doesn't work out the right way. Right. Yeah. The first time. Yeah. I guess that's what I'm going for. But yeah, I was talking to my husband and I was like, if I died tomorrow, like my selfies are most of what you guys would have to like use for my memories because there just aren't a lot of opportunities of like in the world that we live in of being together and doing as many things together. So if I want a picture of Jared and I together, we have to take a selfie. Yeah, that's how Matt and I are too. And honestly, um... I'd rather have a selfie from a good angle of me and my husband than what my body actually looks like right now. <laughs> I don't need the full body thing. Um, Your body is perfect the way that it is. It's very oh, functional. Yeah. Some days more than others. <laughs> um, but yeah, so and like I part of me, see, I have an automatic judgment to, to this individual, too, which is very interesting that she just did all this for attention, too, because you knew this was going to go viral. Yeah. So it's like really what she's doing is no different than people doing selfies, you know, or wanting to look good on the Internet or get attention on the Internet. Really, she did the same thing. Fair and enough. when her kids look at those photos, if she decides to have any <laughs> Yeah. They're going to be like, what the F, mom? You are so weird. (laughs) Get out of my light. Let me take the selfie. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and at the end of this article, it does talk about, like, the dangers of selfies. Like, we've heard of people falling off the Grand Canyon Mm, or falling mm -hmm. off of, like, the edge of buildings, all, like, for the perfect selfie and whatnot. But that doesn't appear to be, like, the original vein in why this was. This was mostly just to make fun of people who took selfies and... I wanted to take the less popular opinion and show the side of like, hell, without selfies, there would be no memory of me. It would be like I didn't mm-hmm. exist. You'd see lots of pictures of my animals in my farm, but not me. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you brought that back home. Yeah. I'm going to link uh, to this article in the show notes and you'll want to go look at it because down at the bottom, uh, there's a picture of her with goats. Yeah, as a, I saw that. <laughs> and I was like, this is perfect. So this is how it ties into farming. <laughs> yeah. And I felt a little personally attacked by this photo, but that's my own problem. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I The photos are actually really funny, too. They are, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is funny. So you have something fun to tell us for our farm story this week. Yeah, so we would prefer to be reading one of your farm stories listeners so if you have any farm stories you can send those to drinkandfarm at gmail.com or you can direct message those to us or dm them to us uh slide into our dms as the kids say on instagram (laughs) at drink and farm (laughs) but i i actually stumbled across this story a couple weeks ago And then I was, you know, doing research while we were driving to my mother's in the car yesterday. And I was like, oh, this would be a perfect farm story. So a farmer in Northern Ireland says that his livelihood was saved by HBO's hit series, The Game of Thrones. Mm. Kenny Gracie raises traditional breed animals native to the British Isles, such as longhorn cattle, Jacob sheep, and saddleback pigs on Foothill Farm 
in I'm not even going to try to pronounce this county name because I know it's going to be wrong because it's Irish. Armagh. Um, I'm going to give it a Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and he says his farm was struggling when producers of the television show approached him and asked him to supply the animals needed for the series. And Gracie calls the offer a godsend. Except for the horses, all the animals featured on Game of Thrones came from his farm. And we'll link to this article in the show notes. And there's this cute little video you can go watch um, about his his contribution to the show and his love for animals. But I also found different articles that said that he's he's as attempted to watch the show, but couldn't even get through the second episode of the first <laughs> season. <laughs> so he's never even watched it because he doesn't like TV. But he was an extra in quite a few of the um, episodes because he just, you know, wanted to be with his animals and keep an eye on them. So I thought that was really cool. You know, Game of Thrones, they might have kind of shit the bed on the last season in a lot of people's opinions, but at least like it did good for the economy over there. And there's a ton of touristy things you can do in Ireland now that are related to the Game of Thrones. And it helped out this guy's farm and he gets to continue to do what he loves um, with his animals and his animals are famous. So I thought that was just kind of heartwarming and very cool. That is super heartwarming. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. So that's your farm story for this week. Yeah. And if you have a farm story you want us to read, you can follow those instructions to send them to us. Please do. Yeah. And thank it you. It can be funny <laughs> or heartwarming. I mean, somebody's made us cry before, so. That's right. You could try to do that again. And I'm not an easy person to make cry, so. (laughs) Yeah. So send those. Coop Camp is definitely coming up. If you haven't (laughs) bought your tickets yet, I think you can still buy them. This is probably going to be the last time we (laughs) we remind people to buy tickets to Coop Camp. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Because you know what's crazy? We'll record next Sunday and then that episode will drop while we're at Coop Camp. That's right. Holy shit. That means I have to have (laughs) my shit together next week and get that edited early. (laughs) Ah! Um, So, yeah, June 7th through 9th, we're super excited like this press kind of stuff has come out and our faces are on it and I'm like showing people that probably don't care um but I'm very excited for us and we're excited to go talk and meet other people and do some form workshops with goat yoga and painting roosters and stuff so if you can still buy tickets we highly recommend it yeah and don't forget to take our survey you can give us anonymous feedback through that survey there's a link to it in the show notes And I realized when I said paint roosters, we're not literally like holding down roosters and painting them. No, 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 no. (laughs) Just wanted to be clear on that. (laughs) I mean, just in case. That's always a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. I meant more like painting with a twist. (laughs) There we go. Um, Anyways, join our Facebook group. We drink and we farm things. Make sure you answer all the questions. Otherwise, you will sit in Facebook purgatory until you answer them all. That's right. And review us in all the places. And if you really like us, download the episode when you listen and hit the subscribe button. And we've started loading our previous episodes to YouTube. And we can, we'll can we start dropping some videos in there from our adventures at Coop Camp, the Naperville Ale Fest, 
and trips to each other's farms. So go subscribe so that you don't miss out on our shenanigans. And we sell merch. There will be a link to both of those shops in the show notes. You can get a camping cup or an awesome insulated wine tumbler that Sam makes or maybe a cool tank top or a shirt. We've got all sorts of fun drinking and farming related paraphernalia. We do. Um, and we are on Instagram and we have a hashtag. So use hashtag drink and farm on Instagram anytime you are safely drinking and farming. Uh, we share them every Tuesday and Thursday and sometimes in our stories too. So this is your community. We want to share you with each other. So use that hashtag. That's right. And yeah. most of all, thanks for listening, guys. Yes, we appreciate you. We sure do. We have a lot of fun putting together the things that we're going to talk about. We have a lot of fun with each other talking about it. And we love to talk with you guys afterwards on the Instagram and in the group all about it. That sounds a little narcissistic, but it's not about us. It's about like getting to do this thing that we love with everybody Mm -hmm. and like sharing it and talking about it. And I don't know, maybe not feeling so disorganized and crazy when things don't work out the way that we planned. Yeah, it makes it all worth it. To not be alone. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So drink. Farm. And and give give zero zero clucks. Bye, guys. We drink things. We farm things. We drink.